for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Just to help us out a bit. Oh dear, it's been quite interesting uh, preparing. We've definitely learned a little bit about each other, about our, um, about our different preparation styles. I've actually realised I'm even more laid back than I thought I was compared to Tracy. We would have probably been uh, preparing it this morning if it had been up to me. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been interesting. We, we went through a lot of different ideas for this preach. At one point we thought we were going to actually preach in matching shell suits. We decided not to do that, although I was still kind of in favour of that. Then we thought we might do a little sketch of the Good Samaritan, which is what we're preaching on today, but then we couldn't decide who would be who, so we abandoned that instead. What we're basically just going to do is a normal preach, so uh, there you go. So, as I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So, uh, <laughs> what we'll do is we start, if you want to turn to Luke 10, 25 to 37, we'll start by reading that. Right, well, so Luke 10, 25, the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn and he took care of him. The next day... He took out two silver coins and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So this concept of being like a good Samaritan is quite commonplace, actually, in our culture nowadays, isn't it? It's kind of part of our language. And in preparing this, we were kind of struck by how it can be used in positive, but also, sadly, quite negative situations. And I remember, I don't know if people do, a few years ago, this was quite in the news quite a lot about being a good Samaritan. How far should we go to help people if we saw somebody being beaten up? Should we actually step out or step in and intervene, or should we not? Should we put ourselves in danger for other people? <clears throat> and while we're not going to necessarily answer all those questions today, it is kind of a, still a current topic, isn't it? Even just researching this in the last couple of weeks, 
Um, a couple of weeks ago, a woman died intervening in a fight between a man and a woman who had a young child on her. And she was hailed as a good Samaritan, albeit extremely tragic. And another story um, I read just last week was uh, a 17-year-old was bicycle, uh, cycling to work and he was knocked over by a woman in her car. And she pulled over and he was quite badly hurt. But she said she couldn't help him because, one, her children would be too distressed to see the sight of blood. And also they'd be late to school. So she just got back in the car and drove off and left him there, didn't leave any contact details. And thankfully, some hospital staff on their way to work found this guy, helped him, cleaned him up, took him to hospital. But this Good Samaritan isn't just a story for biblical times, is it? You know, there really are opportunities every day to either pass on by on the other side or actually to stop and help. And what we're going to look at today is what it means for us as Christians to be good Samaritans, because really, in theory, we should be setting a good example, shouldn't we, and the best example. So we're going to try and keep it fairly simple. We kind of want to start by looking at some of what our motivation should be for being kind of a good Samaritan, and then how that should affect us. We've both kind of had specific things that we feel we want to share. So I'm going to start by talking about our kind of motivation being our relationship with God and appreciating kind of who he is on a daily basis. And then Tracy's going to specifically look at the kindness of God. And kindness is kind of an overlooked trait, actually, sometimes we think, isn't it, um, these days? And we want to particularly focus on that through uh, this talk as well. So first of all, then, our relationship with God. We kind of live in a world a bit, don't we, these days, where we're taught to be dissatisfied with what we've got. I don't know if you feel that. You know, we learn almost by stealth that we need the next thing to make us smarter, to make us more beautiful or to make us more successful. And if we're not careful, this sense of dissatisfaction can actually trickle into our thinking about God. It's really easy to forget that we have everything we need in him already And if we're not careful, we can kind of become a bit lethargic or lazy, perhaps, in our attitude towards God, even if that's just subconsciously. You know, we can come be kind of apathetic or lazy towards serving him and perhaps sometimes towards serving other people as well. It's so important that we have an appropriate view of who God is because God doesn't just want to be merely tolerated does he he doesn't want to just be paid lip service to on a Sunday morning or midweek at community group he wants to be worshipped and adored doesn't he all the time creation screams this at us only read Psalm 19 to know that and I think what we're trying to get at here is only from a real sense of satisfaction and relationship with God I think can we really serve other people most fully And I think this is a bit challenging, you know, but I think actually if we have a really big view of God, we'll be less inclined and less comfortable living kind of lukewarm lives. I remember Nelson talked about a few weeks ago in one of the last series, but he said, how much of God are we happy with? And that really struck me. You know, he said, are we happy with enough of God or do we want more of God? You know, are we happy being comfortable Christians? You know, the good Samaritan did an uncomfortable act, didn't he? 
you know, and just as a beginning, as a challenge, you know, how willing are we to be uncomfortable? You know, our attitude and the heart from which we look to serve, to love and to be kind and compassionate is really essential. It's what distinguishes us as Christians, isn't it, from anybody else? Because anybody can help people. You know, humanists do great work. Anybody can. But what we do and how we serve should be motivated by our relationship with God, shouldn't it? So, no trace, I think it's just going to talk a bit about kindness. Was it me already? (laughs) I'd settled down there. Um, So, yeah, so I wanted to talk a bit about the kindness of God. I've just felt that God's been uh, speaking to me about it. Sarah's waving at me. Sarah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, and how to be an effective Christian in the community through knowing God's kindness as being our motivation. Uh, one of the words for kindness or goodness is deeds of devotion, favour, loyal deeds, mercies, unchanging love. You know, when I looked at this, I just thought, you know, it actually, it's more than a feeling, isn't it? God isn't just feeling kind towards us. He doesn't just feel kind thoughts towards you, but he actually does something about it. His deeds of devotion is that, you know, he's on the move. God is on the move. Um, He doesn't just feel something, but he does something with those feelings of kindness and goodness towards us. And this passage in Luke that we looked at, I think, just demonstrates the kindness of God through the Good Samaritan, doesn't it? Um, these were true deeds of devotion. Uh, he devoted himself to not just picking up the man. He didn't just pick him up and, you know, give him a plaster and send him on his way. Um, but, yeah, he committed himself to his full restoration. And I think it's such a challenge to us, challenge to me, to, to see people through to their full restoration. And that's not always maybe practical, but often I think in our busy lives we can, you know, we might have a quick prayer for someone or, you know, a quick phone call and then we can forget about them with all the good will in the world. And I think it's just a a challenge to to see people through to full restoration, to commit yourself to people and and to stay the course with people, whether that's in the church or um, at work or or, or friends that you know, that we we stay the course with people. And in that, it's funny this morning, with everything that's been shared, when I was preparing, I really felt that God was saying that there's people here that he wants to restore. And that whether that's physical or a mental health issue, emotional damage, that God wants to restore this morning. And, um, and if you didn't respond earlier, then just as we're speaking, or if you're listening to this back, that God might be highlighting that to you, that he wants to restore things that maybe you've dragged with you through your Christian life, or maybe you're not a Christian and you're just dragging stuff with you, but God wants to restore you. So you, we don't carry these baggage throughout our life, but Jesus is here to do that today. And this is him, isn't it? This is Jesus. He doesn't just deal with our immediate wounds. Um, His restoration, it goes so much further, even than what the Good Samaritan did. Um, His death on the cross, it says it was the ultimate in showing the kindness of God. He was devoted, and he's still devoted, to our full spiritual restoration. Remember that meaning of kindness that I spoke about at the beginning. Deeds of devotion, loyal deeds mercies unchanging love and you know that just encapsulates what the cross to me with some of it anyway is all about isn't it God so loved the world that he gave his only son he didn't just think about it oh I do love them but you know just a thought 
but he gave his only son. He's, he's on the move. And so our motivation to demonstrate God's kindness is this, because we didn't get what our sins deserve, but we were shown the love, the greatest act of kindness, and that this is our motivation. This is what I want to be actively moving in when I meet others, in my interaction, in your interaction with friends, neighbours, work colleagues, whoever it is, the person at the checkout, the person you might see and bump into every day, that shop you go in, they're the people that he wants us to not pass by. It's so easy to do, isn't it? But through acts of kindness, he'll open the door for the gospel. You know, it softens the heart. The kind act, it softens the heart. It's, it's not, we're not talking about notching up good deeds this morning. It's not about, you know, kind of just making myself feel better as a Christian and getting a few good Christian brownie points. It's stepping out, looking for opportunities. You just don't know what you do when, when you do that, that kind act for somebody, that it's through the Holy Spirit. You don't know what God has in store and how he might use you um, with that person that you have interaction with. So um, if we have this big view of God, if we know that God is devoted us to us through the cross, how should this affect the way that we act towards other people? And Tracy's touched on that a little bit already, and I'm just now going to look at one particular thing, which is servanthood or servant-heartedness, and then Tracy's going to come back again and talk a bit more about kindness. So what does it mean to be a servant? Well... On a simple level, what it means to be a servant is to be like Jesus, isn't it? It's kind of a good example. Stuart talked about this last week for those people who were in the first service. Jesus is our gold standard for servant-heartedness, isn't he? All the way through the Gospels we see that. But in particular, a powerful passage is Philippians 2, 1 to 8, which people will be familiar with. And I won't read it now, but you can certainly look more about it in your community groups, perhaps. But... This really clearly tells us that Jesus came as a servant, doesn't it? And by doing that, I think he gives us arguably the most powerful example ever of how we should put others before ourselves. R.T. Kendall's written an amazing book purely on this passage in the Bible. And in it, he highlights how important it is for us to remember that Jesus chose to take the form of a servant. You know, there were a number of different sort of types and levels of servanthood uh, in, the, in the days, the biblical days. But the word Paul uses in Philippians is bond slave, which is kind of like the lowest form of a servant. And it's amazing that Jesus chose to take that position. And I'm just going to quickly go through three different aspects of servanthood. And as Tracy talks about kindness as well, our challenge would be to remember that, you know, broadly speaking, we can choose to be who we want to be, can't we? Obviously, there'll be some exceptions, but by and large, most of the time, we will be able to choose to be like the Good Samaritan if we want to be. You know, like that story at the beginning, that woman, she knocked that guy off the bike. She had the choice to stop and help him, even if the kids would be late to school, but she chose to just get back in the car and drive off. So briefly then, the three aspects of servanthood that can help us be Good Samaritans... I think Stuart touched on a lot of these last week, which I think was probably good because a lot of this stuff we already know. But to be fair, it's good for us just to be reminded, really, isn't it? So firstly is subordination. So this is basically just about submission. You know, as servants of God, how regularly are we saying, God, I submit myself to you today? 
whatever you want me to do today, I'm yours. You know, and it's quite simple, really, as a lot of what we're saying is this morning. It's about listening to God and then putting what we believe God is saying above our own thoughts and feelings. You know, you know we could easily feel really guilty or overburdened because we can't help everybody we meet that has a need, can't, can we? We just can't, we can't do it. You know, but what's important is that we hear from God and follow his lead. You know, we, if we tried to help everybody, we'd just end up complete burnt-out messes, wouldn't we? But what we can do is listen to God and act on what we hear him saying. And anybody will be familiar with Heidi Baker's story. You know, she has this thing of... She's helped thousands of young children um, in Africa, and her thing is radical obedience. What she says is she just hears God and she just does what he says. And she's just changed the lives of thousands of young children just by being obedient to him. You know, bringing it back to to the parable, you know, the, the Samaritan, he had to be somewhere, didn't he? We're told in the story that he was journeying and that seems to imply that he had a purpose or somewhere to go, but he was still fully committed to helping that injured man. Now, the priest and the Levite, they were intentional in their acts of avoiding the need that they saw. But the Samaritan was intentional in seeing the need and acting on it. You know, it's very easy to get distracted in life, isn't it? There's so much going on, let's be fair, that actually we can miss being intentional, both in our relationship with God, but also in taking action to address need when we see it happening around us, however great or however small that might be. But every day we need to remind ourselves of who God is, what he's done for us, and just be committed to listen to him. You know, what we're talking about at the end of the day is not deep theology here. It's pretty straightforward, really, isn't it? So second trait, self-effacement. So this is not about not expecting recognition or any kind of glory for what we do. You know, slaves or servants would rarely, if ever, get any recognition for what they did. You know, but we are actually called to acts of service knowing that we may not get any worldly recognition or worldly reward for what we do. But what we do know is that our treasure is in heaven, isn't it? The Bible tells us that. Luke 6, 23 says that our reward will be great in heaven. Matthew 16, 27 says that God will repay each of us according to our deeds. 1 Corinthians 3, 8 says that we will receive a reward according to our labour. Now these verses are quite provoking, aren't they? I find them quite a challenge because it's not that I feel guilty, but actually if God's given out a reward, I kind of think I want to get the best that I can really, you know, if God's given it out. And I actually know that I don't do the best that I can all the time, if I'm honest. And probably that's because there's always a cost to helping other people, isn't there? However little or however great. You know, the cost may come in the form of time, money, our reputation. It may just simply be inconvenient or it may end up with us being rejected by other people. But however much there's a cost, the reward will always also be great, won't it? And so lastly and quickly, the third aspect is trustworthiness. You know, a key aspect of servanthood is being trustworthy. R.T. Kendall again puts it like this. He says... Each of us has been entrusted with a gift. You have something, and every one of us here has something that no one else has. The very gift you have, when used at the right moment, 
could be the very heart, the crux of what is happening in somebody's life. Now, God has given us all gifts that we have ready to use. At the right moment, the Good Samaritan used a gift given to him by God, whether he knew that or not, but he did, to help that man who was hurt and desperately needed help. Sometimes we will have gifts for specific situations, and actually at other times it's just doing the kind of stuff that we can all do, really. We all have the ability to listen, to care, to give time, and to be kind, as Tracy said, and it, God trusts us to use those gifts appropriately. So now Tracy's just going to particularly talk about how we can practically show some of this kindness. So what does it mean to be kind and uh, what are the benefits? In Proverbs 14:31, he who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. That's an amazing scripture. And that's what we want to do, isn't it? We want to honor God um, in our lives. And, uh, and we can all do this. So please don't sit here this morning and discount yourselves and think, oh, you know, it's one of them. I can't do that. That's not me. We can all do this. You know, if it's, it's, it's not just about what I said earlier, thinking those kind thoughts or God's given you something for somebody. Don't just think, oh, that's good. You know, text them, ring them, you know, speak to that person in the shop that you see all the time. You know, just being open when you're in the supermarket, being open to how God might want to use you. You might just want to have a, a friendly chat with the person at the cashier that's having a bad day, but we're all out there in the community and we can, we can all do this. We can all honour God. Um, I think it is. It's a powerful weapon, isn't it, at our disposal, being kind, because we've got God's spirit within us. And I think also it's good to remember that this kindness that I talk about, it's not, it's not a weak and washy thing. In Romans 2.4, it says the kindness of God leads us to repentance. So God, in his kindness, he doesn't want us to get what our sins deserve. But he gives us and he gave us every opportunity to, to turn, to repent and to know him. And, you know, this morning you might be sitting here thinking, do you know what? I, I don't know if I actually know Jesus. You know, you might definitely know you don't know Jesus or you might just think you're not sure. And, you know, this morning, God's love and God's kindness pursues you. So if that's you this morning and you're just not sure, you know, do I really know Jesus? Do I really know that love? Do I know that he pursues me? Then please speak to us or somebody you came with afterwards. Please don't leave here still in that, that state of confusion or questions. Please come and speak to somebody. Um, and also, uh, hang on. in my um, preparation, uh, as you probably all know, I do visit the supermarket fairly regularly. Uh, three children, they eat all the food really quickly. And uh, whilst I was there, I picked up my freebie magazine from Tesco's, as you do. And uh, lo and behold, it had a massive article on the kindness called Kindness is Your Very Own Superpower. It's a two-pager as well, so it's really good. Anyway, and uh, I just thought it was really interesting what it had to say. And um, I'm presuming it's coming from a non-Christian perspective. I don't know, but I'm presuming that. And um, there's a guy called David Hamilton who wrote a book called Why Kindness is Good for You. And he talks about the amazing benefits of being kind. And so I just thought, because it's interesting, that to read just a couple of bits that he wrote... I think it's um, quite an insight into kindness. It says this, It's easy to get back into the kindness habit, and it brings amazing health benefits too. Being kind encourages our body to produce oxytocin, 
which lowers blood pressure, protects the heart, and it reduces inflammation. Just thinking about kindness is enough to boost our immune system, helping us to fight off colds. When 132 students watched Kind Acts on film, their levels of immunoglobulin, yes, the body's defence against bacteria shot up, indicating that kindness acts like a shield. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? It's also a boost for our self-esteem. No matter how powerless we may feel, we always have an ace card at our disposal, the ability to be kind. The hardest but most rewarding kindness is towards those we find difficult. Nobody. When we see someone we dislike, the stress hormone cortisol floods through our body, which takes its toll, especially if it's someone you see often, such as a colleague or a family member. Studies show, listen to this, studies show that forgiving the ultimate act of kindness can act as a powerful painkiller with subjects suffering from chronic pain noticing a profound easing of their symptoms once they let go of old grudges. Isn't that incredible? That's in me Tesco magazine. Um, I just think that's incredible. Some of the insights there, you know, about it being kindness as a shield and, uh, and, and that act of forgiveness and the, the physical benefits that it has. Um, in Jeremiah 31.3, it talks about being drawn by his loving kindness. And uh, God's kindness is so much more powerful, isn't it? The world sees kindness, and, and this guy that writes this as important, but without the Holy Spirit, it can just easily turn into good works, can't it? Being that good person, which is great, but we need the Holy Spirit to inspire us. And, uh, and when we listen, like Matthew said this, when we listen to the Holy Spirit, to God speaking, we can see people drawn to Jesus by his loving kindness. And that's the crux, isn't it? Listening to God and just listening to his voice because he, he can. He wants to speak through you and to you. I just wanted to give a couple of examples of, of women that I've um, just had contact with and are having kind of constant contact with as I walk through town. I really just felt challenged. You know, some of you may be like me. You pop into town quite a lot. I'm often walking through town because of where the kids go to school at St. Mary's. So I'm often in town. And I thought, you know what? There's loads of people here that you can just strike up conversation with. And, you know, it might be just talking about the weather or it might be something a lot more profound than that. Um, And one of them, I won't use their names, but um, just in case, you know, never know. But there's one lady who you may have seen. She stands outside Greg's and she's kind of comes and goes. And she's there selling. This time she was selling key rings. And, um, and anyway, it was a Wednesday and I was late for coffee and play, as usual. And, uh, and I was, I'd promised Francis I'd be there to set up. So I was dashing through town. And, um, and I went past her, went up towards the hub. And I just... I just heard God say, go back and speak to her. Oh, if I'm in a rush, I'm late. And I'm like, yeah. All right. Anyway, so off I went. I went back to see her. And, um, and she's standing there selling key rings with a big plaster cast on her leg. Incredible. Standing up, this big thing on her leg. So, you know, just went up to her. Oh, you know, how you doing? What you done to your leg? What are you doing standing here? And all this. And so we got chatting and she told me her story and um, how she'd done it. And, uh, and she said, oh, what are you doing today? So I told her, I was off to coffee and play eventually, and um, told her about the hub. And uh, I said, look, I believe in Jesus. And um, I said, no, I think he can, you know, help that leg of yours and take away the pain that you're experiencing right now. Um, so I said, shall we pray? Yeah, yeah, 
let's do it. So I was like, cool. Um, okay. And, um, and so I just prayed for her, prayed that this pain in her leg would go, that she could do her job standing up all day, and uh, that she'd have a great day, that she'd, she'd earn some money, she was collecting for a charity. And, um, and we just, since then, we've just kind of say hi to each other. She gave me a big kiss and a cuddle last week when I saw her. And, um, and it's just great. It's just to have that contact with people and to carry that on. She's there every week, so watch out for her. Outside Greg's, go and get your your pastry and, and talk to her. But um, there's another lady um, who sells a big issue um, outside um, Marks and Spencers, who also you may well have seen. And uh, she's a dear, dear lady. And we've, well, I always say hi to her. And uh, I just wanted to stop the other day. And I just got her story. And uh, she's got two young children. She's on her own. And uh, this is her way of trying to make some money through selling the big issue. And um, she doesn't earn a lot because not a lot of people buy it. But, um, but, and she just looks quite sad. And the other day I was passing again. Hi, how are you doing? And she just then poured out about how she's um, experiencing a lot of pain. She had a baby three months ago. She's got a three-month-old baby that she leaves with a friend so that she can sell the big issue. Um, she's bleeding a lot. She's in a lot of pain. And she said, I've got two weeks before I've got to go to hospital and have injections. I don't want to do it. I said, right. I said, I believe in Jesus and I believe that he can stop this bleeding. And I shared with her about the lady in the Bible who reached out to Jesus and that bleeding stopped. I said, come on, let's pray. So she prayed in her language and I prayed in mine. And we just commanded that bleeding to stop. And, um, and I've seen her since very briefly at the bus stop. But she's got two weeks. So if you could join with me and pray for her. If you see her in town, please stop. Even if it's just to buy the big issue, even if you don't feel you can stop and pray with her, just say hi to her, give her a smile, buy her big issue. You know, it's a way that we can step out. And you never know. Don't pass these people by. It's so easy, isn't it, when we're in town and we're busy and we're late. Um, but it's so easy to pass by these people. But, you know, we have the greatest gift to give them. Um, and you never know how God might open a door for you when you just step out. <laughs> so, um, just sort of drawing it to a close then, just to a, a reminder of a couple of things that we've said sort of going through this um, this morning, hopefully. When we were preparing, we, and it's come through a few times already, but we really just felt that sometimes we can make things too complicated, can't we? Um, I don't know if anybody's heard of the KISS principle, and it's not something we're going to demonstrate. No, don't worry, it's, it's not like that. Uh, oh no, lovely as it would be. It actually, uh, <laughs> it actually stands for keep it simple, stupid. Have you heard of that? It's sort of a, a, um, a principle uh, created by the US Navy, apparently, as I was looking into this. But basically, this principle states that most systems work best if they're kept simple rather than made complicated. You know, and we can just overcomplicate things, can't we, sometimes? Um, you know, you think about the, the lawyer in this passage, he got it right but yet he felt the need to justify himself. Or the message version says he wanted to find a loophole in what Jesus was saying. And you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to find knowledge and, and sort of investigate things, is there? But sometimes, actually, some things are meant to be kept simple. You know, I love the fact here that Jesus was addressing a very highly educated man, an intelligent man, but actually he gave him a simple answer. This parable, compared to some of Jesus, is quite simple, really, isn't it? You know, a guy saw a need and he helped him. And we have that choice to, to do that or to, or to not do that. 
And then lastly, you know, I just think the challenge uh, we, we need to ask ourselves, and Tracy and I you know, included in that, is you know, really what are we giving our lives to? And that's just such an important question, isn't it? You know, there's a quote in a book I've been reading, and this guy says that we don't live as if we're going to die. We live as if we're invincible. And I think it's just having that eternal perspective, really, that I touched on earlier. You know, the point of our life is to point to God, isn't it, ultimately? And I know it kind of sounds a little bit challenging, and it is a bit challenging, some of the things we've said this morning, I guess. But actually, whatever our circumstances, we are here on earth for a limited time, aren't we? And actually, we have uh, a limited time to carry out that primary purpose. So I'm just going to finish. We've got a couple of minutes just by reading a story of somebody who, who got this. Okay? And it's, uh, it's just a, a challenge for us, I guess. So bear with me a couple of minutes. So Brooke Bronkowski was a beautiful 14-year-old girl who was in love with Jesus. When she was in junior high, she started a Bible study on her campus. She spent her babysitting money on Bibles so that she could give them out to her unsaved friends. Youth pastors who heard about this brought her boxes of Bibles to give away. Brooke wrote the following essay when she was about 12. It will give you an idea of the kind of girl she was. Since I Have My Life Before Me by Brooke Bronkowski. I'll live my life to the fullest. I'll be happy. I'll brighten up. I will be more joyful than I ever have been. I will be kind to others. I will loosen up. I will tell others about Christ. I will go on adventures and change the world. I will be bold and not change who I really am. I will have no troubles, but instead help others with their troubles. You see, I'll be one of those people who live to be history makers at a young age. I will have moments, good and bad, but I will wipe away the bad and only remember the good. In fact, that's all I remember, just good moments. Nothing in between, just living my life to the fullest. I'll be one of those people who go somewhere with a mission, an awesome plan, a world-changing plan, and nothing will hold me back. I'll set an example for others. I will pray for direction. I have my life before me. I will give others the joy I have, and God will give me more joy. I will do everything God tells me to do, I will follow the footsteps of God. I will do my best. During her freshman year in high school, Brooke, I can't read this out going, Brooke was in a car accident while driving to the movies. Her life on earth ended when she was just 14, but her impact didn't. Nearly one and a half thousand people attended Brooke's memorial service. People from her public high school read poems she had written about her love for God. Everyone spoke of her example and her joy. I shared the gospel and invited those who wanted to know Jesus to come up and give their lives to him. There must have been at least 200 students on their knees at the front of the church praying for salvation. Ushers gave a Bible to each of them. They were the Bibles that Brooke had kept in her garage, hoping to give out to all of her unsaved friends. In one day, Brooke led more people to the Lord than most ever will. In her brief 14 years on earth, Brooke was faithful to Christ. Her short life was not wasted. You know, that hardly needs any, anything to say to it, really, does it? But she, you know, this is a girl who saw a need and acted, acted on it out of a love for Jesus. 
you know, and I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? You know, as Tracy said, this is not about earning God's love. None of us can be good enough Samaritans to earn God's love. Jesus has done all of that for us, hasn't he? His ultimate act of kindness should be what motivates us and inspires us to our own acts of kindness and service. So just to finish, I think you were going to... Just, you know, just to say, I know we've run out of time, really. Um, but if you, if you feel God has spoken to you this morning, particularly if you don't know Jesus, then please, please, please come and speak to somebody afterwards. <clears throat> come and we'll just hang around. Um, come and talk to us or, or to somebody else. We're nobody special. So speak to somebody you know, if not. And, and, and also that Again, that what we were praying in the service about restoration. If you just know that you're carrying stuff with you, that, you know, it's, it's hard, isn't it, to carry stuff with you that you just want to let go of, and, and Jesus can do that because he can set you free. So if you want prayer for that, or just courage to step out and, and courage to speak to maybe that person you see and you think, oh, I so want to say something to them, but I don't know what to say. Just courage to step out. Because, you know, as we, as we show the kindness of Jesus, you don't usually get a bad response <laughs> because the world is crying out for someone to be kind to them and listen to them so, and give them that time. Um, so I'm just going to pray. And, and if you want someone to talk to or pray with afterwards, then, then please do that. Yeah, Jesus, we thank you that you're here. Thank you that you love to speak to us. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you just come and empower us, God, to be more like you. That's all we want, Jesus. Like that story that Matthew shared of that girl who just was a normal girl, but, but she lived her Christian life the way, Jesus, you said that you would give us life to the, all its fullness. And we just don't want to go through the motions. God, it's been my prayer week after week. I don't just want to go through the motions of being a Christian. But I want to love you and serve you. And I pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts. Soften our hearts, Lord Jesus. And I pray you carry on speaking to us, Lord, as we go from here. And challenge us, Lord God, to step out with this amazing truth we have within us, Lord. That we'd not pass people by or keep silent. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Matt and Tracy. Well, we, we've, we've met with God this morning. We've heard him speak to us in different ways. And, uh, you know, as we, as we go out, let's, let's take note of what we've heard. Keep your eyes open. Listen to the voice of the Spirit. And, uh, you know, move into action. Trust, trust God to work as you step out. So coffee and tea is served through in the cafeteria. Um, have a blessed week. The Lord bless you.